my name is Robert Hoffman. And I'm Chris Panico. And this is the very first ever episode of No Nonsense Storytime, a new podcast where Chris and I are going to read children's stories and sort of look at them as if they exist in our universe and abide by our laws of physics and logic and whatnot. And uh, see what we come up with, and try to try to figure out the moral of the story. So we're we're gonna start. Chris is going to um, give a summary. The story we're doing is "Where the Wild Things Are" by Maurice Sendak. It is, I mean, a, a timeless tale. I don't know. Absolutely timeless. Yeah, absolutely timeless. One hundred percent. It was actually, I think, the the work that set Maurice Sendak's career off. I was reading a little bit about him the other day. Yeah, I, um, I didn't do my homework. <laughs> that's okay. Sorry. I did a lot. Next of it. time on our next one, I'm gonna I'm gonna know more facts about the author than Chris will. That's a fact. We'll see about that. We will have a competition. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um. So we're gonna do a little summary of where the wild things are for anyone who may not have read it. Where the wild things are begins with our protagonist Max getting up to all kinds of mischief wearing a wolf suit in his house. His mother sends him to bed without dinner, and while he is sitting in his room all by himself, a forest grows immediately. Like In his room? In his room. In his room. And an ocean appears as well, and it brings a private boat for him to sail to where the wild things are. And he spends a year and a week and a day Getting to see, getting to where all the wild things are, and when he sees all of them, he stares at them, and they become frightened of him and make him the king of all the wild things. And they have a wild thing rompus, and then he sends them to bed without supper. And eventually, Max decides to leave and come back, and he finds dinner waiting for him in his room where he left it. Okay, that was good. Good summary. Oh, thank you. Um, the next thing we want to look at is what must the moral be, or at least what was the intended moral of this story? What right. Was, what was Maurice Sendak trying to say to us? So, since Chris did the summary, I'm going to do the moral this week, and in my opinion, this is sort of a complicated moral, uh, but I think the heart of it is that, you know, Max gets um, reprimanded for making a mess and saying he's going to eat his mom. Uh, so then he goes and, you know, he experiences the same behavior to him. So he learns that that behavior isn't good, you know, so he becomes more empathetic. So I think it's like an empathy story. At least that, that's what I get out of it. Okay. Okay. I Do you disagree? I think that there are some differences. I think that what you're onto makes a lot of sense. Um, I think the one difference there is that... When he goes to see them, when he goes and meets all the wild things, they declare him the king of all the wild things, right? Right. Um, and he himself declares, let the wild rompus begin. Right. And then suddenly, in the middle of this wild rompus, he stops it and sends them to bed without supper. They don't seem to do anything that he isn't setting an example of already. Right. Right? So the, it, there's, I think there's a little difference. But I think that, I think that you have gotten to to the to the root of it 
Yeah. So let's get right down to the first bit of no nonsense. Okay. Um, I have something that. Oh wait. The first thing we want to get to is where does the story take place? Oh yeah, yeah, the setting. So I have some ideas of my own. Yeah, let's hear them, and now, I'll tell you why they're wrong. <clears throat> we'll see about that. I've <laughs> compiled a very, oh my god, very convincing argument. So okay. it's my firm belief that this story begins somewhere in the northwestern United States, okay. probably Washington or Northern California. Okay, and why is that? Um, the reason I believe that is because one of the fastest growing trees in the world is the hybrid poplar tree, uh -huh. which is a hybrid between a poplar tree and um, some other tree that was bred, crossbred from Africa. It was brought over a really long time ago, and it's used a lot for... Um, landscaping because it can grow very quickly it grows about eight feet a year mm -hmm. and it casts a lot of shade right so in the story we see these trees that grow ridiculously fast right and it seems to me while of course a year is far longer than a single night this must be the the, the best candidate as far as the trees that are making it You're right based forest. based on the knowledge we have we know right. this is a very fast growing tree so we it it's most likely the fastest growing tree we know. Right, exactly. That and makes sense. they are in great abundance in America. Mm -hmm. um, the United States of America. The United States, specifically. sure. Um, and they, they extend north and south as well. Mm -hmm. um, and why I think it's the, um, the northwest of America is my belief is that the year that he's been sailing is taking him to um, Eastern Asia, possibly Russia. And that's... That's what you think? I think that's where the wild things are. <laughs> All right. Maybe so. Um, so that, that's, that's what I think as far as where the story takes place. Where do you think it takes place, Bobby? Okay. Um, there are a few possibilities, but none of them are the ones that you just said. Well, okay. I'll, I'll give you... It, it, it could be possible. That's where they are. Um, so here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that you read this and, and and read it as these trees grew in this room super quickly. That's unexplainable. I'm going to do my best to explain it. Me, I read it. I said, these trees grew in this room overnight. That's not just unexplainable. It's impossible. So those trees did not grow in that room overnight. Let me, here's, here's what the text said. I'll just, I'll just take a little bit out of it. Okay. Give me some quotes. Here's a quote. Okay. So it says, so, uh, that night in this room, a forest grew, whatever. It's a metaphor, okay? And then it says, and the walls became the world all around. So, I'm not reading that as his walls transformed into the planet. I'm reading that as the planet became the walls of his room because the walls of his room literally fell away and disappeared. Oh, I'm so saying like his, his house. house was demolished. <laughs> I don't know how it happened. It's not explained. Okay. It's not important. His house was demolished. <laughs> if we're going to go with it, I think that is important. Yeah. But. Well, <laughs> it's, it's, it's definitely important. Uh, but I, that's what I believe. Okay. And I don't know anything about this poplar tree you're talking about. I got to be honest. I didn't Google trees. It's a hybrid poplar. <laughs> hybrid poplars. Whatever. 
I didn't look that up like you did before this podcast. I did some field research, all right? Field research? Did I you went... knock your house down? I have not been to the West Coast of the United States ever in my life. Um, Nor have I. But somewhere I have been. In fact, the only place I have been where I've seen an ocean and a forest just adjacent to each other is when I was in Maine. So my best guess is he's in Maine based fully on that one experience that I had. Okay. Um, and actually, I don't actually think that. I just want to tell you it wrong. Uh, but I- I'd say, yeah, he's probably he's probably north northwest United States. I just think that his house is demolished. Honestly, I, I think that you make a good argument mm-hmm. in that. That holds up without the question of how did it grow overnight, yeah. right? So I think that kind of is a lot less nonsense. And I believe that the where the wild things are. <laughs> yeah, where do you think the wild things are? I think the wild, where exactly are the wild things? I think they are in South America. South America? Yes. So so my, my only, the only thing I could go off of is that I've never seen a wild thing before. I've never seen anything that looks anything like a wild thing. Uh, so I just kind of, I looked up different places that people really haven't been to very much, you know? Mm-hmm. Maybe possibly they have not been there enough for me to have heard about wild things being there. Uh, and okay. a lot of those places were in were in South America. Some Brazil, some Chile, so. Okay. I think that's a fair point. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, that was also going off of he's coming from, you know, the West Coast of the United States and traveling for a year. So I'm, I'm just saying, you know, this little private sailboat, how far is that going to go in a year? And then, you know, right. I feel like that's reasonable. Right, right. And now that you're saying that, I think that from, you know, Washington to Russia wouldn't take a year, even in a private sailboat. Yeah. Right? Probably not. I'm not. I don't know enough about sailing, but I I would say no. If anyone has any, you know, I I believe uh, uh, a a good average is it takes like four years to sail around the world in like a an average sailing capacity. Right. So I'd say this is probably slightly less than that. Right. So yeah, I'd say. Okay. So South America. I think it's believable. I'm not sure. The The reason I didn't think... So I was curious, like, maybe it's the East Coast and he's going to Europe. Uh-huh. That seemed too far yeah. for him to, right, right. to, to navigate, you know. Mm-hmm. Even if he is the king of the wild things. Yeah, no, he doesn't still... have that. And he's not yet, you know. Right, right. Exactly. So I have an idea. Why don't we have our listeners let us know which place they think is more likely or if they have any of their own ideas they can very good idea leave us a comment or Uh anything like that yeah so now our next segment is going to be our discussion where we each have a few questions and we kind of tear into this piece of literature a little bit more right Um, do you i would like to hear where you you want to start start. okay i'm i'm gonna uh call out the elephant in the room here um (laughs) And say that this kid is sailing away from his home for a year. Mm-hmm. And it takes him a year to get back. Right. So he's gone for two years. At least. Right? So here's, here's what I see. I see 
This kid's house gets demolished. I don't know how it happens. Okay. Um, and what does he do? He runs away. Mm-hmm. And he leaves for a year, and he comes back another year. His mom, who seems to be a single mother, you know, just from just from what we know, she's a single mother. You don't see any other parents or, or guardian in this, um, in the text or in the illustrations. So I'd say, you know, our best guess, she's a single mother. And she is obviously distraught. I mean, her house is gone. Her son, probably an only child, is gone. Mm-hmm. Um and he's gone for two years, and when he comes back, there's food waiting for him, and it's still hot. That means every night, this woman is making him the same supper and putting it in his demolished room, hoping that he comes back and eats it. And it pays off, but, you know, it really shouldn't have. He was almost definitely dead. Right. Um, I mean, if you were her, the assumption would have to be he he died. But... It would stand to reason you would find his body if he had died That's true. there, right? Right. Depending I guess, yeah, I should, I should. Let me, let me rewind. Explosion. What it means that she's putting his food out for him every single night. I mean, presumably every single night. Otherwise, she just happens to pick the night that's two years later, right, you know? That seems unlikely. It's probably every single night, mm-hmm. or at least a lot of nights. Right. And that seems like a like a ritual, yeah. like a coping ritual, yeah. right? That mm-hmm. makes sense to do. Yeah, especially that his food was right where he left it, as we said, right? Actually, I, I think I, I misspoke yeah, there. Might have, might have made that up, whatever. Either way, it's a ritual. Uh, and she's putting this food out. And to me, yeah, she's coping. She's not trying to find her son. Right. You know, she's she's just she's still in this demolished house. I mean, it might be rebuilt. I think it would stand to reason it's been rebuilt. You know what? It is because when he comes back, the room is the room is back in order. Right. So she rebuilds the house and all that. Right. Which but, could be done in less than two years for sure. Mm-hmm. I think that is something I didn't think about at all. <laughs> That's makes so much sense. Yeah. It's it makes dark. so much. Pretty it dark. is pretty dark. It's funny. I have some some kind of dark stuff too, and yeah. it, it fits in with that. All right. Like what? Um. One of the things that I noticed so much in this in this book was food uh-huh. and its association with love, or the way that Max associates with love, and not just the having of food or the eating of food, but also the denying of food. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that Max does to get in trouble is he is chasing his dog with a fork, yeah, right, and presumably gonna eat his dog. Mm-hmm. Um, and when his mom says, go to your room with no supper, a denial of food. He responds with, I'm going to eat you. Right. Um, so we're seeing, like, he has, like, this very primal association with food. I guess we all uh, sort of do. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's very um, upfront in Max's mind. And we see later, after he's met the wild things, he's become the king of the wild things, as soon as he's finished with their rompus and he wants to be alone he tells them to go to bed without supper mm-hmm. uh, so he's he's denying them food that's um, just as it's been denied yeah, yeah. to him and yeah. I'm, I'm wondering how much oh also the the wild things when they they say they're gonna eat they him say they're that. gonna eat him because because they right. love him so he he has this really interesting understanding of the way food and love that's true you know what Here's what I'm thinking. Uh-huh. I'm thinking that's a wild thing thing. 
The wild thing thing. Yeah, because okay. he, as a wild thing, is going to eat his dog. Just to sort of tell his dog that he loves him, you know? To express his love to his dog, mm-hmm. um, he is going to eat the dog. And, okay. you know, he he says to his mother that he's going to eat him, eat her, eat him. <laughs> um, and, you know, I'm, I'm guessing he loves his mom. But his mom says to him, you can't have food, go to your room. And I don't think she's trying to say, I don't love you. But I think that's how he's taking it, because he has this association between food and love, because he's a wild thing. In fact, he's the king of the wild things. Right. Yeah. So I think it's a right. wild thing. So thing. you're saying he's been a wild thing all along. All along. All along. You know, actually... He is an oh my adopted gosh. wild thing. That's why... Oh my gosh, he is. Yeah. He is. <laughs> now, okay, okay, one of the other things I was going to say is, and this goes in really well with like what you're saying, like... He, his mom, his mother's a single mother. Mm-hmm. Is I feel like some of these ideas about love are also coming from a a place where he's not getting as much food or as as much love mm-hmm. as he would think or right, he, he right. feels like he needs, which makes a lot of sense if you're a single parent, right? Maybe she's really poor. Maybe they don't have enough money to have food as maybe. in as much abundance. Um, maybe their house is structurally unsound because of where they live and that's why it collapses you know what i think that is all genius i'm gonna put something on top of it okay okay here it is here's my hot take wild things cannot get sustenance from eating things that they don't love they have to eat what they love yes here's let me this is actually my another point I was going to make. Oh, great. And I'm going to compound on top of your point right here. And good, it, good. You, you've, like, given me fuel, all right? Here's good. my point. The wild things need to eat things they love. Otherwise, it's not even food to them. And here's why I think that. Mm-hmm. A, the evidence that you just laid out where Max's mother can't feed him because she, no matter how much money she spends... Can't give him enough things that he loves to eat. Oh my gosh. Okay, so that's A. Here's B. He goes to this island or whatever, right? Um, Is it an island? Is it explicitly Um, stated as an island? I don't think they specify. It's coastal. It's coastal. He goes to this coastal area where wild things live. And what makes him want to leave? He smells food on the other side of the world. Mm -hmm. Which means there's no food there. Because they don't eat normal food. They only eat things they love. And that's why they want him to stay, because they don't have any more things they love there. So they want to eat him. They're out of food. The wild things are probably going extinct. Which would explain why we've never seen them. Exactly. This story probably took place before, you know, before the world was explored enough for people to have found and documented the wild things. And they went extinct. Before, um, you know, before now, at least. Oh my gosh. What a great concept. Yeah. I love this. And this actually answers another question that I had when I was was reading. Um, If you look at all the illustrations closely while Mm -hmm. you're going through it, um, I think the second one, possibly, there's a little, little drawing on the wall that he made. That is, if you look closely, 
a wild thing, and it says oh, by yeah. Max. Now this is before he's gone to see the wild things, yes. right? So how does he know exactly what, what the like. wild things look like before he sees them? And I think your um, your idea that he himself is a wild thing. It makes yeah. so much sense. Throws it out right there. It makes yep. so much sense. That's just that's just his adult form that he's drawn. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Which you know we are all naturally doing all the time. Right. right? <laughs> <laughs> well, no. Here's what I think. I think he has pictures. He has pictures of his real parents. Whoa. How? Wait. Hold on. Backtrack. Here's a question. Yeah. Does his mom know that he's a wild thing? And does he know that he's a wild thing? I think, well, he obviously knows. I think his mom knows. I think she kind of tried to hide it from him. But she knows. And if she didn't know, he wouldn't know. Here's what I think. I think she went to this place where the wild things are. When she Uh was younger. I mean, maybe even his age. Probably older. But she sailed there. And that's why he has this propensity for sailing. It's, It's not genetic. But he's lived with her. They've probably gone sailing together. He knows how to sail. It's not a coincidence. It's because she has sailed. In fact, she sailed to where the wild things live, and that's how she got her son. They had this little baby wild thing, mm-hmm. and you know they were probably going to eat it because they eat things they love, and they probably loved it. Right? They've probably been eating their children. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! <laughs> it's pretty no awful. wonder they're going extinct. It's pretty awful, but that's probably what happens. They they <laughs> wait, but Before... how, did they, how, how did they get to stay though? How did any of them grow to adulthood? I mean, I guess some of the wild things must not love their children and then don't eat them, and those are the ones that grow up. Yeah, I'd say, oh, that's, so the, that's actually good. Right. That's good right so, there. So there's no way, at least if they have the same familial relationships mm-hmm. that most animals we know have, there's no way that they are birthing at a rate to maintain a population. Right, yeah. So they've been a, a declining population for... Mm-hmm. And the less, as long as we can think, and of the it. less of them there are, or the fewer of them they are, mm-hmm. the fewer there will be. That's why they're starving. That's why Max is starving. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. That's rough. Well, I hope I hope things aren't so bleak for Max. You know. Yeah. In the future, but it not looking good. He's gonna he's gonna have to find out how to create love. You know how to just love anything if he wants if he wants to survive. Yeah. I mean, if it's food that you love, like say you love macaroni and cheese mm-hmm. just as a food, would that sustain him or does it have to be like interpersonal love? Um, like does he have to eat thing like living I meats? I would guess it's probably somewhere in the middle. You probably have to love it a lot, you know? Right. It probably has to be love, you know? It's not just a food that you like. It's got to be like your favorite your favorite food. So Max is probably in a position where he can really only eat his favorite food. Oh my gosh. And that's why she always makes the same thing. Every <laughs> night. Everything is connecting. I'm glad we did this. Oh my gosh. This makes this must be what Maurice. This is exactly this about. is what the book is. Oh we we tore it apart, we figured it out. Um what do you think happens afterwards? I know that, you know. In fiction, nothing really happens afterwards, because that's right. the end of the book. But what, you know, given what we've discovered about this book, what do you think happens? He gets home to this rebuilt house, the food's still hot, he eats it. Do they right. go back to normal? 
You know, I honestly think he probably does, because what he's experienced, I mean, the thing that's been plaguing him is this need for um, sustenance right. through love. Yeah. Just like most of us, mm -hmm. right? And he he went to the ends of the earth to find it. Yes. Which is something that we all like to poetically fantasize about. Mm -hmm. And when he got there, it wasn't there. Right? Yeah. So I think yeah. he comes back, and he eats what he can, right? Mm -hmm. But he may never, or will rarely feel full. Right, yeah. You know? That's and, rough, but right, I, I mean, think he'll be okay. I I think it's... I don't know if he'll be okay. Maybe not. I think it's a very... Um, it's open-ended. Well, it's open-ended. I also think it, it's a somber um, look forward like yeah he may just have to go through his life feeling that way which i think is a reality a lot of people face yeah know? and this is a good commentary on that yeah it's it's kind of heartbreaking but it's also realistic yeah it's very realistic you know um it's kind of the human condition you know so what is our new moral our new moral of the story i think we kind of just got to it at the end there um or at least you know one of the morals of this story is that your disabilities in life, the things that keep you from living the way that you would most like to live, don't ruin everything, you know? Mm -hmm. They don't keep you from living, but it's okay and healthy to acknowledge that they do keep you from stuff. Fullness. From, yeah. I love that. We also we could also come up with something some kind of moral for the the fact that um these I mean it's a whole species that's just kind of dying out because it's it's not because it's taking love for granted biologically and you can't do that. Oh my gosh, that's true. You can't just expect love. You know, you have to cherish what little love you have. In this world, right? And because you could just the wild things up. are metaphor. Yeah, <laughs> just keep it up, <laughs> and then it's gone. Yeah, and like you'll be full for a day, but that's it. Yeah. Once again, I'm Chris Panico, and I'm Robert Hoffman, and you've been listening to No Nonsense Storytime. Yeah. Tune in next week as we go through the very hungry caterpillar by Eric. Carl. Yes. Thank you very much. If you have any comments, suggestions, um, anything, feel free to send it to us. Our Gmail is no nonsense storytime at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, that's it. Thanks. See you next week. Yeah, take care. <laughs>